It's episode 35 of Playing It Wrong. I'm your host, the guy that plays it wrong. And this is going to be a fun-filled full episode. So what's up in this episode? Well, we'll have technical notes, all sorts of crazy news, a crazy rant about skills and OSR systems, and a couple other new features and ideas that are going to be coming out regularly on the podcast. So here we go. First up, as always, technical notes. Boy, did I mess up. Uh, apparently, episode a couple episodes ago, I'm not sure which, that I had some really bad audio. And I'd like to thank whoever DM'd me on Discord, and I think it was Larry Hamilton of Playing It Wrong. If it's not, I'm sure someone will tell me so, and that's okay. And, well, if you don't listen to Larry's podcast, follow me and die, you really should. So, hopefully this episode and all future ones, I'll have that little audio mix-up fixed. And, of course, if there are any, well, screw-ups that I do do in any podcast, feel free to just drop me a line. Hit up the blog, hit up the Facebook group, and who knows, I may start some other group, but that's more news later on. And yes, I have to admit, I suck at Discord, even though I'm on like three servers, I just don't use it that much. And I'm really bad at using it when I do. And also, I think this is gonna also going to fall under the technical notes. Um, I'm going to be thinking about the format of the show. And I've tried to do multiple casts per week, and the energy level just isn't there, and I really ramble along poorly, which I tend to do anyway, but it, it, I even didn't like it. So we're going to finally decide to do the once-a-week podcast. It's going to be a little longer, maybe you know, 20 minutes, maybe, depending on, well, what subject I cover and how long I rant. Plus, like I said before, I'm going to add some regular features and we're going to start off with the first one right now. It's kind of standard to every podcast, but what I've been doing in gaming this last week. So let's see what we have. Let's, our regular Thursday group me, meet it up. Yeah, meet it up. See, this is, you know, unaudio, unaudio, unedited audio. See, these mistakes show that I'm really, really just like almost nearly doing a stream of unconsciousness. Yes, I, that, was, that was deliberate. Um, we had another Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells playtest session, and things are going good. That's probably going to wind down at the end of the month, and it'll be time to do the editing and layout and all that good stuff, and hopefully get that on RPG now before the end of the year. Crossing fingers. Um, also up, well, yeah, next week we've got more of the Call of Cthulhu campaign. No one's died yet. We are close a couple times, but no one's died yet. We're doing the Horror on the Orient Express, and we've been lucky so far. Also, we talked a little bit about scheduling on the group, what the next game's going to be. So here's what's coming up in future episodes. Uh, another DM is going to start running the Dragon Heist for 5e right after I get done with the Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells campaign. And then after the Call of Cthulhu campaign, I will start up that infamous White Box campaign that I've been talking about for like months now. Which gives me a couple more months to, well, <laughs> come up with crazy ideas to throw out the player characters. So it looks like that's going to start off just after the beginning of the new year. Yes, we do plan that far off. Like I've said most, you know, a few other times, that the most interesting campaign is always the next one. And I'll probably rant a little bit in a future episode about what kind of character I'm going to do for 5e. I haven't quite decided yet. I got narrowed down to a few, so 
That's going to be in the future episode. All right, let's move on to the next topic here. Let's talk about what everybody else is talking about, and that is the death of Google+. We knew it was coming, and like I've mentioned in a couple comments, um, I was starting to get really tired of it. Not so much of the format or anything else, but a lot of stuff had turned into a real cesspool over there. But the massive migration appears to be to MeWe. Yes, I'm over there. I'll probably put a link up in the show notes. Who knows? Or you can just hunt me down. Show how smart you are. <sighs> you know, over the past year, I've, like, unfollowed, unfriended, uh, blocked about a hundred people. Yeah, it's kind of extreme, but things have really gotten crazy. You know why. And I was just tired of the drama. Even though the drama wasn't even centered on gaming, but was drug into it. So I am looking at MeWe as a fresh start. Some of those people I unfriended and blocked... I've already accepted his contacts on MeWe, so we'll we'll see how far this goes. But I really, really, really want this place to turn into a cool place to talk about gaming, the way Google Plus was in the early days. And what's really amazing, in case you haven't heard, the, even the developers of MeWe have noticed the exodus, and they're reacting to what gamers want. Yeah, right now I see mostly old school stuff, but that's uh, that's kind of the circles I hang out with. All right, so head on over to MeWe see what's going on i think it's going to be a good place a good place for everybody just you know damn it folks act like adults don't pile on people don't drag in drama don't point fingers don't do all you know that that stuff just keep it gaming all right so that was my little rant on me we and um what do we have oh yes we have a call in and it's from the wonderful gentleman colin green aka spike pit Hi Chuck, Colin Spike Pit. Regarding rules from OSR games that I would lift out and use in different OSR games or other systems in general, I think, I don't know where it originated, but Black Hack Usage Die. You do away with the bookkeeping for your equipment, you introduce a little bit of suspense because you're never quite sure when something's going to run out. So if you don't know about it, basically each piece of equipment is assigned a dice from the standard dice chain. And when it's used, or there are various different circumstances, you roll your usage dice if you get a... Quite often it's a 1 or a 2, sometimes it's a 1. If you roll that, then you drop down a dice. That's it. When you run out of dice, that's it. You... Thank you, Colin. Yeah, it looks like you hit against that one-minute wall on the anchor messages. Yep, I am familiar with that usage die. Like I said, I'm running Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells right now, and that uses it uh, in rules as a, uh, as a luck mechanic, similar to DCC, but your luck goes down with that. And I've also tried... Hang on, what the hell's going on? Ah, there it is. Apparently checking for Discord for uh, messages. Also left it running in the background, so I just got a beep beep as somebody's chatting on Discord. Oh well. It'll make the see the show is live, sort of, even though you're listening to a recorded version. Anyway, back to Usage Die. I love that mechanic. I have tried to use it in DCC. I've tried to use it in uh, the uh, Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells game for arrows and stuff. And my players keep forgetting because it's so new. But I really like the mechanic, and I also keep forgetting to have them roll it. So I like it, but unfortunately I don't use it because my players forget, and I forget. 
I'm a bad DM sometimes. And I'm also a bad podcast host, because I should have mentioned at the beginning of this rant, this was in reference to last episode when I talked about Franken-gaming, where you just take rules from one game and put it into another. And for another example of that, stay tuned. Look on October 16th, I think, is when that blog post is scheduled to hit, wherein I, once again, bring something in from a totally different game, not even D20-based, but take it into white box for a crazy idea. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but check the blog then, and, well, leave your comments for ideas. And speaking of Franken games, there's one thing that I forgot to mention, and that is Castles and Crusades. Now... On Castles and Crusades, there's one thing that I still haven't done. It's on my to-do list. And just about every time I talk about this game, I mention the same thing. It has one of the coolest illusionist classes I've seen. So if you get a chance, check it out, look at it, make your opinion out, or whichever way you want to go. But for me, it's one of the coolest ones, and I still need to port that over to either Swords of Wizardry or White Box. I don't know. It'll be for my house rules, so that's my rant on that. Okay, let's move on to what my rant is for this episode. And this t episode, like I said before, I'm going to talk about skills and OSR systems. Oh, no. I have blogged a couple times about it, and the general response a lot of times has been I had just stolen an orphan's wooden leg and started beating puppies and kittens with it. So first let me go over, well, some of my basic philosophies on skill systems. First, there shouldn't be too many skills. Looking at you, GURPS. Second, there should be no skills that kind of modify other skills, like looking at you, Palladium. And third, skills should be simple, broad, but not too broad. I know that's a stupid thing to say. And somehow fit within the internal logic of the system you're playing. Now, for our standard uh, OSR-style games, I think that Lamentations of the Flame Princess starts off with the right idea with using the X and D6 system. That's cool. I like it. It's simple. Um, my personal theory is derived from the basic thing from early on D&D, where you had an X and D6 chance based on your strength to kick open the door. But this one is just flat chances, no attribute changes or anything like that. It's simple, it's direct, it's not too granular, it hits the right, well, theme of things. Now, the number of skills, well, first of all, especially when you're talking about old D&D, you don't want to cross the streams of having the fighter take the rogue's steam away by being really good at stealth. You don't want to do that. And your mileage by vary. A lot of folks use attribute checks. My experience with at least my DMs back in the day is that it, kind of didn't work because I didn't take a lot into consideration because the wizard would go, okay, I'm going to sneak. Okay, make a dex roll. And I'm playing a thief and I realize that my chance to sneak is actually worse than the wizard's because of, well, just the way the math worked out. But that was that time and that was that DM. So your mileage may vary and you may do it differently. This is the way I like to do it. The, the X and D6. Now I try to break it down into like four groups. The first group is things that everybody is going to try somehow and have some way of doing it. That's sort of based on attributes, and I'm not going to read through my entire house rules on uh, White Box, but you can check them out of the blog, and it's a living document that keeps getting changed every few weeks. But basically such as we have feats of strength, which 
based solely on strength, just like the open doors. And then I have one that's based off the average of dex and strength, which is athletics for stuff like climbing and jumping and crap like that. And let's see, I'm going to add another one based off dex and wisdom, which is going to be bind wounds, because everybody needs to bind wounds now and then, especially if the cleric is the one that needs the binding. Now, for all that other stuff that happens that they're going to try to do, or may try to do, I'm going to put it into, like, three categories. The one is, sure, you got a chance. That's one in D6. Um, you got kind of a snowball's thin chance of doing it. That's uh, roll 2d6 and you succeed on snake eyes. And then, of course, there's, nope, you can't do it. You don't know how. And all that, much like many old school games, is going to be rulings, not rules, and make it up as you go along. So whatever system you do, however you do it, that's up to you. Enjoy it. But that's my plan, and I'm sticking to it. But hey, leave me a message. Leave me a comment. Tell me what you do. Really, I'm not scared to hear what you do. And that, dear listeners, is my short little rant on skills in OSR games. What is up next? Oh, yes, we have... What I said, a new feature. What is this called? This is called Reading from the Ancient Tomes of Wisdom. And just what the heck is that? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring out some of the old original books, and I'm going to find something I find interesting and talk about it. And since I'm just starting this feature, and it's good, probably going to give me plenty of material for quite a while, I am going to start off this whole series sticking to the three little brown books and their supplements. And in this episode, we are going to start off with, well, Volume 1, Men and Magic. What are we going to read about? We're going to go to page 8, at least in my copy. At the bottom of the page, they went through and talked about classes and then they start talking about races and the final character final character final paragraph is other character types and it says there is no reason the players cannot be allowed to play as virtually anything provided they begin relatively weak and work up to the top i.e. a player wishing to be a dragon would have to begin as let us say a young one and progress upwards in the usual manner steps being predetermined by the campaign referee that's right, play anything. So this goes back, remember when I was talking about races class and races and Gonzo and can, the, the cantina scene? So the idea of you can play anything with the DM's approval and if the DM wants to write it up is something from the very beginning of the first book of the original three books. And I have no problem with that. If it makes sense with the world, if the player wants to put up with any well unfortunate side effects of, say, being an orc and walking into town, or if they just don't like the way it's going to have to be, end up being a negotiation about how the the class the racial class of whatever beastie they choose would progress, and whether it would fit, like I said, the campaign world and the rest of the party. Now, the cool part about this is, thanks to our modern OSR Renaissance revival, whatever you want to call it, and the wonderful open gaming license. Lots of folks have done that legwork for you. You just have to find it and, well, use your Google Foo and either find it on RPG Now, Drive Through, or someone's blog. The point I'm trying to make here is that it's okay to play something weird with the DM's approval. Right, me personally, I don't mind throwing a little bit of crazy and guns into my world, and sometimes I like 
playing a little crazy and gonzo, but that's the kind of guy I am, and your mileage may vary. And, you know, a DM may have a whole set of weird racial classes that's not in any book at all that they've come up with. And, you know, I think that's kind of cool and interesting. So if you're doing something like that, hey, share it out with the world. Let us see what you're doing. I mean, for my uh, White Box campaign, I'm planning on doing my own version of Azimir, Tieflings, Kenku, and Rat Folk. So that's on my to-do list. It's going to be show up. And I've got some weird classes that I'm working on, too, that might be interesting. So you have to stay tuned for that as that comes out eventually. So much to do, so little time. And since it's interactive, go ahead, talk to me. Races, no races. Yes, I know it depends on your campaign world, but hey, let's have fun. All right, let's move on to my last and final segment. I have warned you of this on uh, the end credits of practically every episode. If you don't send me questions, I will start making them up. And this episode, I'm not being a jerk. I'm actually trying to be helpful, okay? So my question that I'm posing from my own random imagination is, what is your favorite set of dice? Or what's your favorite dice manufacturer? However you want to word it. Um, I've got Game Science, Chessex, uh, and all the other guys. Whatever. But I have finally come up with my favorites are the Roll for Initiative high contrast dice because I'm an old grognard. And I like the slightly bigger dice. I like the high contrast to easily see the numbers. And on the first set I bought... I was uh, DMing while well, running, GMing, referee, judge, whatever you call it, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. And the first roll from that D20 out of the box was a crit on a player character. So those have immediately become my favorite dice. Check them out online. You can get them on Amazon. They have their own storefront. And it's Roll for Initiative. That's R-O-L-E for Initiative. No, this is not a paid advertisement. They're not paying me anything. I'm just you know, saying these are my favorite dice. And with that, general listeners, I will wrap up this episode till next week. All right. Keep those dice a-rollin'. And here comes the end credits. You know the drill. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B, not B, spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook to search for They Might Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. Intro music is Metal Mania by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under a Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. Please visit his website at incompetech.com. That's incompetech.com. Really, visit it. There's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper. Additional sound effects from freesound.org used under a Creative Commons 0.1.0 universal license.